Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Battlefield Show. I am Scott Gibson, your Commander-in-Chief, guiding you through the Battlefield of Life. You know what you're here for. No more messing about. Stick the tape in. Hit the track. Onwards! How you doing? Team, we're back. Episode 4 of the Battlefield Show. I hope you've had a good week um, in anticipation of another episode. And hey, I mean, I, I'm as shocked as you are that we're on episode 4. But here we are. How the fu- how have you been? How the fuck have you been? It's been a good week uh, in the Gibson household. I hope it has been similarly uh, a good week for you. Um, out there in civilian land, um, bit of a bit of a stormy week. We've been having the uh, the the street that we live in in Old Ricky has been getting resurfaced from top to bottom, and we have slowly seen the diggers approach over the last week or so. And last night they were right outside the fucking front window. Digging like a mad fucker. They, they were digging like they'd found treasure in that street. <laughs> they had the machine in, chomping up the old tarmac, and then some fucking young dick uh, and a digger in the old JCB going absolutely fucking tonto around a stank. And I had to explain 
to my English girlfriend what a stank was. I just assumed that was a universal term. Apparently not. Um, I, I assume he was a young uh, road roadman, a road warrior, a road digger, a man, a worky, because he was skinny. And I, I don't know how the 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 ranking of a road worker goes, but I assume they start off with a shovel or a broom or a brush, whatever term you prefer for your, your sweeping implement. And then over time, they may move up to the old uh, the jackhammer. And then <laughs> I'm struggling to think of road digging stuff, the, the drill. And eventually you get to the digger. And then you're sitting your ass for 10 hours a day and you develop the, the worky gut. So the young boy in the digger last night was uh, svelte, so I can only assume uh, he was filling in. But uh, they were battering fuck at a stank. Dude, fucking midnight last night. The boys were going to midnight. I mean, it's a bit late in the night to be digging, but hey, they got it done. So half the road's tarmacked. On our stretch, I assume tonight the second half will be tarmacked. And then they will move out of sight and out of earshot and I can start to enjoy the television again. Without the fucking constant noise of some mad cunt digging up my road at half ten at night. So, I hope you've had a good week. Thank you uh, to everyone who got in touch after the last episode. Thank you also to everyone who has subscribed. Um, the podcast is now on a number of channels. Um, you can get it on SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called these days. Uh, it's available on YouTube, Acast, Stitcher, TuneIn and now iHeartRadio, whatever the fuck iHeartRadio is. I don't know. But it's now available on there, so... If you uh, don't already subscribe to the show, please do so wherever you uh, get your podcast from. And if you can do me a favour, pop on over to SoundCloud and YouTube and subscribe to those two channels as well because that's the main places where not only the podcast will come from but also YouTube in the future. Some other stuff's going to be good up there. Um, I've got a few ideas uh, for things uh, that I want to be doing from next year and I'm going to try and grow that channel um, as much as I can. So... Go on to SoundCloud um, and subscribe and go on to YouTube and subscribe to the channel as well. I, I've been, like I said in the first couple of episodes, I, I'd wanted to do this podcast for a long time. Um, long before I was involved or we started up the hashtag show, I, I had wanted to do my own podcast. And I think it's taken me this long to, do, to become comfortable not talking on my own because I talk to myself every day. I'm fucking mental. But I think just being comfortable enough to not be judged, if that makes sense. I, I've had a couple of negative comments since starting this, but I'm now at the point where I, I just let these things wash over me because I, I know this is what I've wanted to do and, and put out this content. And even to the point of the ideas that I've had for some of the things that are hopefully going to be coming up next year, I've also wanted to do them for quite some time and, I, and I've found ways to, to to keep putting it off or keep finding excuses. And, and I think that although, you know, the, the whole subject of mental health is a big thing just now and I, and I hate really 
saying mental health because it covers such a massive thing. But that last week was a really bad week for me. I was I was so I was just in a bad place. But I, I am now at the point where I I know it's going to happen, even when I'm doing well or I'm uh, you know I'm working or I'm keeping busy. I know that there's going to be days when I'm feeling like shit and I'm feeling down and I'm questioning everything. And I I don't give in in the sense of I let the negativity wash over me, but I just accept that on those days, I'm just having a bad day. And, and I let it go. Um, I had really been questioning what I was doing with, with this, with the, with the show and what I wanted to do with it going forward. And last week, I was just in a bad place. And... I never felt like I was going to chuck it or not do it, but it just proved to me again how easy it is to allow yourself to get in a situation where excuses become almost validated by how you're feeling. And there's nothing wrong with just saying, you know, I'm having a bad time or I'm having a bad day. And, hey, a day's only 24 hours, you know, and then you start again fresh. And I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. That's probably what I'm trying to say. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to succeed at things straight away and you know to start something and for it to have you know 100,000 listens or 100,000 downloads or, or even a thing that we're all um, I imagine guilty of and I certainly know I am is comparing yourself to other people comparing yourself to other people who are doing similar projects or who are involved in similar work and forgetting that these people are 5, 6, 10 years into the journey that you're just starting on. So I, I don't really know what I'm what I'm trying to say with, with this bit, but I suppose what I'm saying is Oh god, I was gonna say it's okay and it'll be okay. How fucking wanky is that? But what I'm saying is it's it's okay to have a shit time, you know? It's okay to to feel down, to feel low. And just say to yourself. You know what? I'm having a bad day. You know what? I'm having a bad day. And fucking write it off, man. Now I'm very, I'm very lucky in the situation that I'm in. That if I'm having a bad day, I can, I can have a bad day. You know, I can be at home where I am just now. I've got the the cat and the dog. You know, fucking nice cup of Java. And I can, I can detach from it and have a bad day. I can binge some telly. I can go to bed if I want. And I, and I realise I'm very lucky to be in that position. And it must be hard to kind of motivate yourself to go and do, you know, a normal 95 job. But even within that scenario, it's it's okay just to say, do you know what, I'm having a, I'm having a shit day, man. Having a bad day, I'm not going to try and fight it, I'm not going to try and do things. Because a lot of the time, people close to you, partners, loved ones, etc. will be like, right, let's go and do something tonight, you know, let's, hey, do you want to do that? Do you want to do this? And you're like, do you know what I want to do? I want to fucking eat hunters of shit and fall asleep. That's what I do. And people will try and encourage you out of it. But it's okay just to say, hey, I'm having a bad day, man. Go to sleep, reset it, start again tomorrow. Don't think about anything that was in your head. Don't think about anything that got you down. And just start fresh. And if it rolls into a couple of days, you just you just accept it, man. You just accept it. Because eventually you'll come out and you start fresh. You'll be feeling good. And then you might hit another wee bump in the road. Nothing wrong with it. I, I think I'm trying to say is that I'm not going to let negativity... I'm not going to let negativity get in my way anymore. I'm going to fight for my freedom. <laughs> so, 
hopefully, no, no, hopefully, it's happening, right? I'm fucking going to do it. I'm going to find the people who I need to help make it happen. And I'm going to make it happen because I want to do it. So I know this is all cryptic, but basically just fucking subscribe on SoundCloud and subscribe on YouTube. And then we'll, we'll have this show, you know, every week. I'm, I'll be honest, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying sitting down recording I, I, there's no pressure I, I i have the some questions and some things in my head and we let it roll and we see how far we get it's nice man it's relaxed and and i know it's different from what i've done in the past but i'm hoping that you know it becomes its own thing and if you're enjoying it which i know some of you are and you've got in touch thank you for doing so as well that's what i'm trying to say but aye, big things happening next year so subscribe to the channel and, uh, and also, those of you who have done, if you've got any ideas or things you'd like to, to see me do or, or something you'd like me to talk about, please do get in touch. I, I, I greatly appreciate the questions that I've got here. But if there's if there's any topics or if there's anything you want to, want to talk about, then then please do get in touch. And the best way is always the, the website, scottgibbonsoncomedy.co.uk and follow all the socials on there. One thing that um, has been in my mind that I wanted to talk about is the fucking cunts at bars right i know that the fuckers are, are bringing back i've got it here on the computer iron brew relaunches original 1901 recipe with extra sugar the fucking bastards they ripped the heart at this community 1901 it's not even an anniversary right it's not even an anniversary it's not like, it's 2001, 2051, I can't do maths. It's no, there's no anniversary here, right? 2026, hold on, 25 years. There's no anniversary. What's happened is, these fucking cunts have changed Iron Brew. How, how many of you, how, I don't even see cunts drink Iron Brew anymore. I don't even see people drink Iron Brew. That was my staple. Iron Brew... Was my fucking staple. Yeah, nah. You're talking what? What would the average person drink iron brew a day? Two to six litres? On average. No, don't touch it. I even had a can of iron brew extra a couple of weeks ago and I thought, that's no bad. I thought that's no bad. What, what has happened? What has happened to me as a fucking Scotsman, a Glaswegian? That I'm drinking Iron Brew Extra and I'm thinking, that's not that bad. Because those cunts have have taken. They've taken my Iron Brew. For the fucking sugar tax. How these fucking Tories are still in government after they 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 fucking done our sausage rolls. Bastards in our iron brew. I I live just now uh, across from a Greg's. And a Scott mid. Imagine, imagine for a sec. Allow, allow your mind to drift to a not very distant past when I could have walked across that road and got an ice cold can of iron brew and a hot sausage roll. No anymore. No anymore. I mean, Greg's are going to have to start. Remember the fucking Daz doorstep challenge? Remember that nonsense? He's using Daz hen. That that originally was a thing with fucking was it army sailors? 
soldiers' wives would put a box of Daz in the window, meaning the man's away fucking shooting terrorists. Come running, give a pump. <laughs> That's just going to have to start happening with Greg's. Greg's workers leaving a sausage roll on the windowsill to let passers-by know they're fresh out the oven. And also, Greg's workers need to know what lukewarm means. See when you go, can I get two sausage rolls, hen? They're, they're lukewarm, son. That, that's, that's cold, hen. That's cold. That's a cold sausage roll. So they took the sausage rolls, well, the hotness, and they took the sugar tax. Now, every fucker, right? Every fucker took sugar out of their drinks, right? And they didn't become like diet. They just became stinking. We've all done it. We've all we've all drank uh, a can of our favourite juice and we've went, that is, that is, what the fuck? Because the sugar's it. I'm a grown man. I'm 35 year old. I should be able to drink all the fucking sugar. And then people would go, there was 36 grams in a can of brew. I don't care. I don't give a fuck. Okay, if there's 200 grams in it. I want fucking iron brew. Can I get it? Can I fucking get it? But the one company who didn't change, fucking Coca Cola, eh? Can you imagine the fucking riots in America if I if Coca Cola, sorry. Reduced their sugar content. Oh! It isn't worth thinking about. But I am brew. Scotland's drink. Scotland's drink. Only country in the world where Coca Cola isn't the number one selling drink. And the one thing, Coca Cola threw millions, millions in marketing campaigns. They probably had fucking droid sex robots sleeping with people at bar trying to get the recipe <laughs> sending their best men and women over spending years deep underground in Glasgow you know going back to Atlanta to report back to the guy going it can't be done boss it can't be done we've tried everything we've tried giving it out it's, it's free they still drink this orange fucking bastard drink. All those years, Coca-Cola dominating the world. Apart from Scotland, this tiny country. And the one thing that brings us down is the fucking Tories. Bastards! It says here that Iron Brew 1901 is uh, based on a prototype recipe first created more than 100 years ago and it features loads of extra sugar. What's loads? What's loads? Just no gain, exact figures, no just hunters. Aye, but how much? It's loads. What's loads then? It's just, you know, loads. Bad news for your teeth. <laughs> Get fucked. 
Good news for your taste buds, exactly. Um, you might remember that in 2018, Iron Brew halved its sugar content when the government introduced a sugar tax. Oh, we fucking remember. People were not happy. But bosses have said that the old, old school recipe will be like nothing anyone has tasted before, and we can get it. We can't wait to get our hands on it. The authentic old recipe was discovered in a handwritten book stored deep in the company's archives, and to add to the old-time experience, new drink will be served in a glass bottle. No, it wasn't. That's shite. No, it wasn't. There's absolutely no way the company who bought fucking bars and and just happened to stumble across the old recipe in a handwritten book. Bullshit. That's fucking PR nonsense. The 1901 recipe has aged beautifully over the last 118 years, says Robin Barr, cunt, who unearthed the recipe. For a limited time, limited time Robin, aye, we'll be producing a premium old and unimproved Iron Brew 1901 just as it was enjoyed by our first fans. The 1901 version will cost £2 and it will be available from the 2nd of December. Christmas market. Christmas market. This is what they're doing now. Even if they just kept fucking iron brews it was, I'd pay £2 a can. We all would. Fiver for two litres? Course. Course we would. Fucking hell. I remember a fringe not that long ago, I got 48 cans of the original iron brew for my birthday. And I thought that will see me through the fringe. And uh, it lasted me three weeks. <laughs> Fat bastard! But there you go, 1901. Uh, the original Iron Brew is available for £2 from December 2nd. So if I can snap it up. One thing I would say uh, that's, that's also happening is uh, going off the kind of Christmas thing. Uh, I saw some more Christmas adverts this week, and and one that was actually, I don't know if it was Dogs Trust, I want to say it was, but it was one of the bigger dog charities anyway, and uh, Jack Russell, easy to train, we Jack Russell had like a fucking Christmas scarf and a hat on, now, there are people out there, and maybe I've not seen it as much, but I don't know if that's because I took a lot of fucking heavy douchebags off of Facebook and Twitter, but there are people out there who will still get dogs for Christmas. Um, they think it's a good idea to buy their kids a dog because they were raised with a dog and they want to blah, 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 blah. And I, and I think it's a great idea. I wish I'd had a dog uh, when I was young. Um, but obviously, I've got the, the tour manager now and we're very happy together. But if you're going to get a dog, man, just go to the fucking jail, right? Get a dog out of the jail. They're... There's, there's no point in spending hundreds and hundreds of pounds in these fucking designer dogs. Just go to the jail, man, right? There is, there's loads of dogs out there that need a good home. And here's another thing, right? A lot of the dogs that are in the dog homes, they've, they've maybe been through a shit time, or a lot of them have just, they've had owners that kind of care for them, and they're just desperate for somebody to get them a home and love them. There's a lot of staffies in there, right? And I'll tell you right now, you will not get a better dog than a staffie. I go to a, a, a pet shop um, in Edinburgh called Dofos, right? It's one of the best pet shops I've ever been in my life. The staff in it are incredible. They know their stuff. I went in when I first moved out here. Uh, I had to get some stuff for, for Murphy. I was talking to the guy about food. We had a five-minute chat. 
He was telling me all about this raw food. Long story short, the wee man's been on that since we moved here, and it's the best thing I've ever done for his diet. Uh, so much better, more energy, healthier, food's great. No any more expensive than what I was paying before. Um, yeah, but just a wonderful pet, pet shop. And the guy in there has got this wee staffy man, and some of you may have seen me tweet uh, a picture of him a few months back uh, saying that he was, like, head of my security, but... He's an absolute wee cracker, man. And they're just the most placid, happy wee dogs you, you'll you'll ever find, you know. And and there's other ones in there as well that they just need a home, man. So if you are thinking about getting a, a, a dog for Christmas, man, just go to the jail first, right? The, the cat and dog home and, and just talk to them. You know, register your details. Um, if you can make a wee donation, make a donation. If you've got any towels or blankets or something like that, take them along with you. Because they'll always need things like that. If you've got, we've all got stuff lying about the house, um, and just have a chat with them. You don't, you don't need to go and see the dogs. Some people I know they get upset by it, but go in and talk to them. Tell them your situation, and they will know all the dogs that they've got, you know, and they will know um, what's best for the situation, and they'll probably know what to advise you on. Because there'll be people who'll go and get like, you know, a collie, and they live in a fucking city centre, four floors up, when the dogs in the house for four hours at a time you know they, they'll be able to advise you on what they've got that would be suited to your situation and also any dietary requirements or things like that or stuff like you know certain dogs aren't good with kids or they're not good with this you know they'll, they'll be able to tell you all about that and just go along before you think about spending all this money on these designer dogs or whatever's fashionable now go to your local cat and dog home go to dogs trust and just talk to them and see what they've got. Uh, I beg of you. There's wee dogs. I'm tell, I've said it since day one. See if I ever made any money. Like serious money. I'd fucking do Apollo Grady man. I've said to the missus. I was like if we make some cash man. We're getting a farm somewhere. And I'm just having fucking 300 dogs. <laughs> Obviously the tour manager's top of the tree. Do you know I mean he'll let run the pack. You know I'll have him sitting like on a throne. But. Just just rescue dogs for the cat dog hole. <laughs> I hate I hate it when I go in there, man. I just want to take them all home anyway. The last time we went to go and get the cat, we went to go and get Eric. And uh, I was just walking around just seeing him and I'm just like, oh god, I just want to just want to take them all I just want to take them all out for a cuddle. Right, but seriously, if you if you are thinking about getting a dog for Christmas, consider going to the jail. Go to the cat and dog home and uh, as well as giving the family a present, give the wee dog a present and get a good life. Eh, get it out of the jail. Come on, it's Christmas. It's Christmas, guys. Think about it. Last weekend, I had a nice, um, I suppose you would call it a, a mini hashtag reunion. I was lucky enough to be gigging with the uh, incredible Mr. Gary Little. Um, so me and the big man... Excuse me, me and the big man did the Spree Festival together in Paisley uh, on Saturday night in the Spiegel tent. What what a beautiful space that Spiegel tent is, man. Um, I don't know how many of them there are in, in the world, but I know I certainly know that one travels all over. There's festivals all over the world, and uh, it's just beautiful. It's, it's one of those things where when it's packed, it is fantastic and um, just great just a great gig man great turnout i think they had nearly 250 people in there for the tent um and the spree is something that i don't think a lot of people know about it um 
it's more kind of traditional Scottish music, but I think for years it had only ever been in the Highlands, and then a few years ago it came down to Paisley, and I think it has either returned there as part of the festival or now remains there. Um, but it was great, so it was lovely to be back in Paisley. I've not gigged there for a while, um, and I thank you everybody came out. Uh, good to see some uh, people there, some friends, and I uh, just a wonderful night, man. It was good to catch up with Big Gary. He's bought another fucking watch since I've seen him. I'm telling you, that guy could set up a jewelers, man. The amount of watches he's got, it's, it's unreal. But it's all these kind of vintage um, military-style ones that he gets. And, and the one... That, I mean, I've liked a few, but the one I liked the most, the bastard sold a couple of weeks ago. Fucking shocking, man. But it was good to see the big man. So thanks to everybody who came out to that. And, and luckily, I was I was in uh, Glasgow Glee as well um, last weekend. So it was a nice local um, weekend. Uh, I, do you know what? I love touring. Right, I love I love going and taking my show and doing my show. So I love doing like ninety minutes, two hours. I enjoy that. It feels like the only way I can describe it is it feels like I'm working. Um, but it's nice to do local clubs, you know, and still be able to get home. That's the thing now. See, be able to come home to your your message just being your own bed, man. It's nice. So. Uh, nice to be a local weekend in Glasgow. Uh, good to catch up. And big shout out to everybody who came to uh, both the Glee and um, the Spree Festival. Now, I'm actually back at the Glee on December 1st. Um, as some of you will know, it's the last tour date for 2019 of my show White Noise. Um, I am, first of all, November 16th um, at the McKillop Institute in Loch Winnock. Um, back there again. Back once again, with it and again. So... I was there last year with the show, and it was an amazing night. I couldn't believe the numbers. Uh, we packed it. We had sold it. it was, had 150 in that wee room, which was unbelievable. So um, if you would like to come to Loch Winnock again next, uh, this year, sorry, November 16th, go to my website um, or see tickets. Uh, the tickets are available for that. November 16th, McKillop Institute, Loch Winnock, and then December 1st, Glee Club in Glasgow. Uh, which is on Renfrew Street, and if you haven't been to the Glee Club yet, you really should, man. It's uh, it's an amazing chain of clubs, and there are some great acts coming up to play it in Glasgow. There's also some shite acts as well, but hey, that's comedy, man. You know, that's the business we're in. Some people are good, some people are good businessmen, <laughs> but I am there, December first. Again, my website, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk or go to the Glee uh, website, hit the Glasgow tab and you will see me December 1st and that is the last date for White Noise of 2019. So I, I really hope you can come along. Um, and if you have been to see the show so far on any of the tour dates um, and you've got friends or family that you want to recommend, please do so. Send them my way and I'll hopefully see you at one of those gigs, man. And then I've got a whole load of dates coming up in 2020, so don't worry if you've not seen it yet. Um, I'll be promoting the shit out of, of those dates coming up, so do not panic. One thing I will say just now is that if you're on the mailing list, then you would have got an email uh, last week telling you about uh, Glasgow Comedy Festival next year. I will be back at the Glasgow Comedy Festival and uh, with a brand new show, and the tickets are on sale. Now, they're only on sale for people on the mailing list. Um, you can't get them anywhere else other than through the secret link that went out. Another email will go this Friday, which is the 25th. 
Um, but that's not really much use to you because you're listening to this in the 28th. Um, another email will go out to the mailing list on... Another email will go out to the mailing list um, today, actually, on the, the 28th of October. Um, so if you haven't signed up, then you, you should do so uh, before then. So you've got a chance to get those tickets at a discounted price. And then the rest, uh, which whatever's left from that uh, bank, will go on general sale on the 1st of November. So sign up to the mailing list. It is the best way to hear about future gigs and one-off new material nights that I do throughout the year and where I can um, I will also give you discounted tickets to shows uh, where I'm in, uh, able to, to sort those tickets out some venues unfortunately don't let me do that but for this one we can so sign up to the mailing list um, another email goes out 28th which is today um, and they go on general sale on the 1st of November um, Right, let's, do you know what, let's just jump in, man, let's do some questions, I've got another thing I'll talk about, but I'll maybe do that at the end, let's do, let's do some listeners' questions. Thanks to everybody who got in touch, um, it's the most questions that we've ever had for an episode, so thank you to everybody who took your time, um, you can get in touch with me through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email, uh, go to the website, uh, follow the links to the social medias. Twitter and Instagram, I am at Big Scott Gibson, and on Facebook, search Scott Gibson Comedy. Drop me a message, I will tweet or post, um, usually when I'm going to record, uh, and if you've got anything, stick it on there. And also, if there's anything a bit longer than the old 140 characters or whatever it is these days, go to the website, there's a contact page there, and you can drop me a, a longer message, uh, and keep it, uh, you know, anonymous if you want. Oh, fucking hell, eh? I don't want you reading out my details. Um, so let's just jump straight in on Twitter. Uh, Jackie Close, who is at I whatever. Good fucking handle, Jackie. Good handle. Uh, Jackie has asked, uh, oh, about coffee. Is that a follow-on from last episode? Uh, Jackie's asked, making a coffee. Is it sugar, coffee, milk, then hot water? Or coffee, sugar, hot water, then milk? Eh? Is it sugar? Oh, what order? Right. Uh, so, is it sugar, coffee, milk, then hot water? Option A. Or coffee, sugar, hot water, then milk? Option B. Obviously, it's B, Jackie. Obviously, it's B. You go kettle on. Here's the process, Jackie, right? Listen in, hen. Kettle on, mug it, or cup of your choice, it. Right? Spoon ready. Now, if, like me, you'll have a favourite spoon. A spoon that you know gives you the right levels for what, for the chosen drink. So, mug it, spoon it. Then you go coffee in, sugar in, hot water, then milk. If you, See if you're one of these fucking beasts that adds milk before the hot water. Who, who the fuck are you? Who who even are you, man? Take a f- take, mate. Here, mate. No, listen. Here, mate. Listen, mate. Mate, mate. Here, listen. Go and take a fuck to yourself, man. <laughs> Have a word with yourself. You don't. You don't put 
you don't put milk in before the hot water. You just don't do it, right? It's, it's a fucking... It's a child... That's a child's move. That's a child's move. Do you know something that's always stuck with me, right? David Beckham was one of my favourite... I'm a big Man United fan, right? Uh, here comes the onslaught of hate messages. I'm a huge Man United fan. Beckham was a, a, a big... Uh, I was a massive fan of Beckham when he was at Man United. And I remember watching a documentary about um, Beckham... Be- I was going to say the Beckhams there, but it was just about him. After he'd left United. And I was watching it thinking, do you know what? He's not going to go into football manager, right? Because nobody's going to take that voice. Hey, hey, Victoria. Nobody's going to take him serious, right? And that's no his thing, man. He's fucking, you know, talking about these pants, making an aftershave, whatever he's doing, right? But during the documentary, you see him making a cup of tea. No, I don't know if this is trying to prove, hey, I'm just a fucking, I'm just a guy, man. I'm just a geezer, you know? In my million pound flat in London, making a fucking cup of tea for the camera crew. And the dirty bastard put milk, in, so he went, cup, tea bag, milk, in with the tea bag before the hot water. You dirty bastard! And at that point, I've not been able to look at Beckham the same way since. <laughs> I don't care what the man did on a pitch. I don't care that he could spray an 80-yard pass to toe. To toe in a crosswind. Don't care. The fucking dirty bastard puts milk in with the tea bag before the hot water. And that that's, you know, that's inexcusable. That's inexcusable for me. So to answer your question, Jackie, the correct process is coffee, sugar, hot water, then milk. And if you do it any other way, have a fucking word with yourself. Facebook questions. Um, Paul McAlaney. Paul Macken. Paul McAlaney. Paul Macken. Paul McAlaney. Paul. Tell me how you fucking say your name properly. Eh? But Paul has got in touch on Facebook. Uh, how did you go on the Edinburgh International Frisbee Tournament? <laughs> Good question, Paul. Um you may not have seen uh, the post uh, that went on social media. Oh, I'm sure you did. So when the road has been closed off, there was two fucking hipster bams. Can you, do you get a hipster bam? Is there, there must be a hipster bam out there. There must be. You know, he's he's came for the wrong side of town. Maybe mum and dad are divorced, right? Dad's had a prenum in there. So mum's got fuck all. She's in the council house, but they're still used to... I'll find a way of life, you know. So he's kicking about with the boys doing the yachting club, but now he's a bit rough, man, eh? Because he's got a comprehensive school. Got a couple of slash marks. <laughs> but these two boys, uh, on the closed street, decided to play frisbee. And they were throwing frisbee uh, across the, an empty street to each other. And a couple of people posted going, and why not? Why shouldn't they have fun? Because, as everyone else pointed out, they should be playing Kirby. That's it. Woody Day in a close street, Kirby. But I think there's always going to be that comparison between the East and the West in Scotland. And I think that, along with some other things I've seen, perfectly sums up Edinburgh. In Glasgow, if there was a closed street, Waynes would play Kirby. But in Edinburgh, they play Ultimate Frisbee. (laughs) 
And the worst thing was they had one of these frisbees that lights up. So it's got a light around the outside of it so they can see it in the dark, you know. Throw it to me, Sebastian. Not too hard, Finley. God almighty, you need to take my eye out the last time. So we're throwing it across the street each other. And there was fucking, there was people watching them. You know? I think if, they, if they'd have been a bit more socially open, they could have probably got a fucking game, a 20-man game of Frisbee. No, that would have been all right. If there was a whole squad of people just launching Frisbees, fine. But it's just these two guys, man. Maybe, if I'm being honest, there's a part of me that wanted to go down and play Frisbee with them. I don't know. I don't know. I feel as though I can open up to you that way. Maybe once I've been in Edinburgh a couple of years, you know, and it softened my, my Glaswegian heart, maybe I would have went down and went, hey, here, guys, I'm I'm dead good at Frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> can I play Can I play the Frisbee? <laughs> but thanks, Paul, for your question. Um... Yes, frisbee man. Everybody loves a frisbee, doesn't it? It was just that it was just the fact that we're in the street. It was fucking midnight. I was like, what are they two cunts up to? You know, they own the house. What are they doing with a frisbee? But thanks for your question, Paul. Uh, Andy Rodden. Andy has uh, asked, "You hate horrors!" Exclamation! Exclamation! Yes, I do, Andy. So, what's your favourite genre of movie, and what's your best movie? Well, Andy, too many good movies out there, mate. Too many good movies to say what's your favourite. A, a classic that I have enjoyed uh, a number of times is a little film with uh, the wonderful Mr. Richard Dreyfus in it and it's called Mr. Holland's Opus. If you haven't seen that, wonderful film. Check it out. Mr. Holland's Opus. Genre that I like. Um, I like a good thriller. I think we all enjoy a thriller. Something based on true true life, uh, true life, real life, true experience, real real events. What am I trying to say? Fuck knows. Something like that's good. Don't mind comedies, uh, but a lot of them are just kind of that bullshitty Hollywood stuff. But, um, you know, The First Hangover was a good film. Uh, Pineapple Express is a good comedy. Uh, the best comedy are the old ones, man, before everyone got PC, you know? They're, they're, they're really the best ones. Um, I'm trying to think in my head. I watched Stan and Ollie the other day for the first time. Uh, a recommendation from uh, Mr. Malaka Lee. And it did not disappoint, man. I think Steve Coogan gets a lot of shit off people. I don't know why. I think he's a fucking brilliant actor. I think he's a really good actor, man. And um, also as a stand-up, man, he was an incredible stand-up. A lot of people talk about recently like Eddie Murphy coming back to do a tour and and certain other kind of old comics dipping their toe back in. Can you imagine if fucking Steve Coogan came back with some of those characters, man? Fuck me, what a tour that would be. I like it because uh, he's got his own production company, and that's that's the way to do it, man. If you if you get any kind of status in the in any business, you know. So Baby Cow is the name of his production company, who, who have made some incredible uh, programs and comedies for television and other places. But I think he he does like kind of passion projects, you know, so stuff that he's interested in or has has got a a, a passion for, which certainly comes across because that Stan and Ollie movie was fantastic, man. I, I uh, my my dad huge fan of Lauren Hardy. He used to have them all on like the old reels, man. We'd play it on a projector against the wall, 
And I can all, I can like a vivid memory of being young uh, in my dad's mom and dad's first house, and my dad watching old Laurel and Hardy films on this projector. And 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 it's one of those people where you know Stan and all, like you know Laurel and Hardy, but how many of us have watched the movies, or how many of us really know anything about them? And I, I didn't know much about them at all. And the film was great, man. The film was great, and and it was. It was nice that I think that it, it took a point in their life and and focused on that. So it didn't do the kind of, you know, we're going to tell the full story of Laurel and Hardy in an hour and a half. You know, like, here's them when they were young. Here's how they got together. Here's how they started. They just took this point in their life when they had done their last movie and they were doing this tour of the UK, which they had hoped would give them enough that uh, the film company in America would would produce one more film for them that would kickstart their careers again. As they're both in their 60s by this point, or, or late 50s anyway. And there, there's a... There was a couple of points in the film that, that I really like when Laurel was coming out of a, a meeting at one of these production companies. Um, I think it was Fox... And he's basically just palmed off, you know, uh, and told he's, he's kind of too old, if you like, or, or Laurel and Hardy are, are too old. And uh, he, he stops outside uh, in the street, there's a, there's a billboard, and I think it's uh, Abbott and Costello. And they're obviously the young, you know, the young up-and-coming ones. And there's a bit later on as well when they talk about Charlie Chaplin and another couple of the guys who are around at that time, and, and Laurel says to Hardy, you know, that, that their their films will live on, and people will still enjoy their movies, and it's odd to think that that, you know, even though I'm sure he he meant it, that's the only one that's become true. I mean, people know who Charlie Chaplin is, but I don't know how many of us would sit down and watch a Charlie Chaplin movie when as you would you would sit and watch a Laurel and Hardy movie, you know, and uh, I suppose it's like a lot of things in other businesses, and it's certainly, obviously, comedy is the closest one to me, so it just makes me think a lot about comedy when I was watching the film and thinking that we are so quick in every industry, whether it's comedy in my industry, music, theatre, cinema, acting, whatever it is, to always be on the cusp of pushing the new talent, and we forget about those who have gone before us. You know, arguably in an even a harder time to be recognised or to be discovered, you know. I mean, there are there are people now who are on tour, who are selling out, you know, hundreds, thousands of tickets a night. And, and they have nothing. They, they have no talent. They have no ability, but they have been able to build this following through what is now social media. And these people burn out so quickly because they are produced and they are pushed by agents, producers, talent scouts, because they need the next thing. And then after they've done one tour, or they've done two tours, they then realise, fuck, this, this person's got nothing. You know, they don't have anything at all. 
So they drop them and they bring the next one in and they get two shows out of them or a couple of shows out of them and then they bin them and they move on. And within that time, people who have got a wealth of talent, man, a wealth of knowledge that's been built up over years and years and, and, and honed across numerous circuits, they just continue to plod along. Maybe some of them get discovered, maybe some of them don't. And watching that film for me, anyway, just made me think at the end, like, these are two guys who had it all, and rightly so, because at the time, what they were doing, I don't know if it was groundbreaking, that's maybe a bit far to go, but they were they were loved, you know, and, and, and in a way, the way it ended with them being shafted by the companies because they never owned the rights to the movie, so they never, I mean, they obviously had a comfortable life, but they never kind of got to the level that they should have been, but like Laurel says in the movie, their the legacy lives on in, in, in their work. And I suppose that's the that's the best thing that they can hope for. Um But yeah, that's a great film, Andy man. You should you should try and check that out if you've not seen it. Stan and Ollie. It's absolutely brilliant. It's on Amazon Prime. If anybody's looking for it. Um other great films, I don't know, man. It's a hard one. There's loads out there. There's a lot of shite. But there's some good ones out there as well, man. So I uh, definitely check that out. Right, let's see what else we got. Uh, Andy, thank you for that question, man. Um, Instagram, Stephen Harry Wilson uh, has asked, are you watching Drag Race UK? Stevie, I've watched two episodes, mate, and uh, I've had to stop. Now, I'm, I may go back to it. I don't know yet, but it's, uh, it's a fucking heavy switch from the American one, man. These queens are annoying. And there's a lot less glamour, <laughs> let's just put it that way, than what is in the, the American uh, drag race. Now, I, I'm not going to sit here and claim to be a, a drag uh, aficionado, but from watching um, the the shows, the American one, the UK one, and seeing some UK drag acts, I feel as if the UK drag is a bit more, kind of, you know, not slapped slapdash but a bit more grungy is that the right word or a bit more harsh you know than the american drag which is very glitz and glamour high production uh you know showgirl kind of thing um whereas uk drag might just be a fucking taxi driver and we're going what you fucking can't <laughs> so i've watched two mate it's i don't i'm no i'm not really getting into it man the, the characters are a bit annoying but i will i will stick with it I am also enjoying RuPaul trying to decipher what the fuck half of them are saying as well. <laughs> so, um, I check it out, man. BBC. Eh? Fucking groundbreaking BBC. With RuPaul Drag Race UK. Um, I watch it. I've no really... I'm no into it yet, mate. I want to be, but I'm no... I'm no into it yet. But we'll see. See how we go on. Um right. Okay, let's uh, quickly do another one uh, on Facebook. Uh, Jerry Franchetti, uh, and thanks to everybody who asked a question. Um, 
I'll try and get around to some more of these in other episodes. Uh, Jerry's asked, what's something you've done that you would strongly advise against anyone from doing? Um, anal. Okay, uh, quickly getting towards the end of another fantastic episode. Let's do some facts about Scotland. Let's do my album, playing a jingle! Proud to be Scottish. Okay, a uh, couple of facts for you this episode. I'm, I'm sure we're all, hey, I'm sure our knowledge of Scotland is growing every time, you know? Absolutely growing. Hey, am I struggling to find interesting facts of Scotland? Not at all, man. There's hundreds of facts about Scotland. Um, here we go. Fact one, Scotland has approximately 790 islands. 130 of which are inhabited. What? 790 islands. Here's here's the thing, right? How big does a clump of land need to be for it to be classed as an island? Or is it just, you know, if there's like a, a mound that you can stand on in a river, is that an island? Because I know when you got like way north, like fucking way north there's hundreds of wee islands off the coast because all the farmers used to have islands didn't they that they go and stick their sheep on <laughs> they did I don't know why I'm laughing they'd fucking they'd take the sheep you know stick them in the boat <laughs> row 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 the boat out to the island and fuck the sheep on it no fuck it put the sheep on the island let them fucking grow and then come back over and fucking pan my Scotland. <laughs> but all, they all had islands, we islands. Like, if you meet anybody who's like, okay, my family's free fucking Ochtan Sugar. If there's anybody who's got family up there, they've all got land. They're all landowners. And when I say land, they've got a wee fuck off island somewhere that they pop their sheep on. They got 130 of which are inhabited. That's impressive, man. I mean, do they all have names? I imagine they do. Tam's Island. Davies Island. I wonder what was the smallest island with the least people on it. And does inhabited mean like cunts, like people? Or is it like, there's five puffins on this island? Seven hundred and ninety islands, 130 of which are inhabited. Fact two, the shortest scheduled flight in the world is one and a half miles long. What? From Westray to Papa Westray in the Orkney Islands of Scotland. The journey takes one minute, 14 seconds. That's, that's got to be fucking nonsense. That's got to be nonsense. One and a half miles long is the flight and it takes a minute and 14 seconds. Here. Somebody wants to get fucking Extinction Rebellion up there. Eh? Westray to Papa Westray. Mile and a half. Fucking up these go, lads. Somebody get in touch with them. Get on their fucking socials. You know? Even though I don't imagine they're online. You know, because obviously there's no got handheld electronic devices. Because how would they charge them? Suppose they could have a, a wind turbine. In the Extinction Rebellion headquarters. 
maybe somebody's peddling out, maybe they've got a, a bank of hamsters battering through a wee ball in order to power all these electronic devices. But tell Extinction Rebellion they need to get themselves to Westray in the Orkney Islands and start superluding themselves to fucking planes. 1 minute 14. Even the flight to Belfast, Glasgow to Belfast, is a ridiculous flight. It literally climbs, then it cuts the engine and you fucking free fall into Belfast. <laughs> Which is probably the best way to arrive in Belfast. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, fact 2, shortest scheduled flight in the world is in Scotland. 1 minute 14 seconds. Um... Fact three, let, let's introduce you to someone. This is a this is a guy who I never knew. Uh a, a gentleman called Kenneth McAlpin. Born in eight thirty four, lived to eight fifty eight. Hey, they didn't fuck about back then, you know? Short lives in and out. You know? Didn't have all these modern distractions. Like social media, Netflix, you know, people could get in and out. They could live a whole life in twenty five years deed. Kenneth McAlpin, the first Scottish king. Crowned as the first king of Alba, uniting both the Picts and the Scots for the first time in 843 AD. Considered to be the founder of Scotland. There you go. How does that how does that work? 843? He was born in 834. Was he? So what he was nine? He was nine when he was crowned the first king of Scotland. This doesn't make sense, man. They didn't crown in Wayne's. Maybe that's how they done it back then. Maybe they were all full of whiskey, out of their nut, going, hey, who wants to be king? Fucking, wee Kenny. There's <laughs> <laughs> wee Kenny, man. Fucking, wee Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. Kenny's like, I'm nine, you cunt. Look, man, I got to fucking, fucking join the clans, Kenny. <laughs> there you go, Kenneth McAlpin. 8.34 to 8.58, crowned the first king of Alba. Founder of Scotland. Fucking God bless you, Kenny. God bless you. Right, here's your facts, man. Fucking absorb, absorb them and feed them into the valleys of your life. Right, okay. Um, let's do some quick news items um, before we get to the end of this episode. Let's do some news. Play the jingle. Today's headlines. Mother draws eyebrows on baby. And fat cat can't be arsed. As always, tackling the big news items. A um, couple of quick news stories uh, this episode. I am looking at a picture just now of, <laughs> of uh, what looks like Dr. Evil. Some, but let me just read you this headline, right? Now, this is from the, the Metro. Um, obviously, a, a reputable uh, news outlet. Um, we'll, we'll 
cost you a staggering fuck all to read their newspaper. Um, new mum draws eyebrows on newborn to teach her not to fall asleep at parties. I, I mean, the there are so many questions that come off the back of... And it, this is what I love also about journalism nowadays. You have, under every single fucking news story, you will have someone's uh, name and then their wee picture. And a lot of the places now are will direct you to their like, social medias because they want the journalists to become famous. Richard Hartley Parkinson. I mean, what a fucking name. Richard Hartley Parkinson. Is the journal... I mean, could we even call him a journalist? Imagine, imagine studying... All the great journalists throughout the world, throughout time, that have covered some incredible news stories. And Richard Hartley Parkinson, who not only is writing for the Metro, has been asked to write a story about a mother drawing eyebrows on her newborn baby. Now, we will read on, um, and I hope that it ends with the child being taken away by social services to be raised properly. A, a new mother joked that she drew eyebrows on her sleeping six-week-old six daughter. Wow. She drew eyebrows on her sleeping six-week-old daughter to teach her a lesson for later in life. Danielle McSherry Shee, that's not a real name, Danielle McSherry Shee, 27 from Fife. Of course... Of course she's for fucking five. I mean, I don't, I don't need to read. Do I need to read any more of this? How can the headline not just be Mother for five draws eyebrows on baby and then that's it, we'd move on with a story. Danielle says she was desperate to see what Isabella would look like if she had, if her eyebrows were visible. Why? Why, why are you desperate to see that on a six-week-old baby? Also, Wait until the baby's asleep. And you're hoping that it'll teach her a lesson not to fall asleep at parties. It's probably going to make her never fall asleep again. It's going to be terrifying. Whipping out her makeup powder, the stay-at-home mum said she was left in hysterics when she saw the bold new eyebrows. She shared the picture on Facebook, joking that she was teaching Isabella not to fall asleep at parties and receive a bit of mixed reaction with some accusing her of child abuse. I mean, I don't know if it's child abuse, right? Let, because I think you're maybe diluting poor people who have been abused, but I think when the midwife comes in to see you, Danielle, she's maybe going to have a couple of things to say. <laughs> Are you feeding her properly? Yes, I am. Everything okay with changing nappies? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm coping, I'm, I'm dealing with this. Have you, are you still doing her makeup and drawing eyebrows when she sleeps? I've stopped that now, Hen. I've stopped that now. The new mum said, Isabella has really fair hair. She's a baby! She's really fair hair and basically no eyebrows. So I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll fucking draw eyebrows on her. Daniela says, I've always wondered what Isabella will look like with eyebrows. You've always wondered. She's six weeks old! She's six weeks old! She's going to get eyebrows! Right? It's not, it's not a doll. It's not like you've bought a doll and you've not had the money to buy the next model up that's got eyebrows. She's going to get fucking eyebrows. It's the way in six weeks old. What is wrong with people? 
what, what, what is wrong with this world? That somebody has went... I wonder what my way will look like with eyebrows. Give it a month in. And then the madness to then actually share those images on Facebook as if you're not going to get abuse. Danielle goes on to say, And one day, a wave of inspiration came over me. I'd probably say it's, it's depression and loneliness. A wave of inspiration came over me, and I had to draw them on. She had to. She had to draw them on. <laughs> she could go not a moment longer with her lovely, perfect little six-week-old baby, a wee bundle of joy. She had to draw them on. I used my powder and just lightly drew on symmetrical eyebrows. Well, at least they're symmetrical. At least they're symmetrical. <laughs> and the thing is as well, the picture that they've put up with this Wayne, so it's just, it's a baby, right? It's a boxing glove with a face with cracking eyebrows on it. You know that isn't the only pair of eyebrows she drew on her. You know that Wayne had blusher, lipstick, fake eyelashes on, all sorts of different styles of eyebrows. There's probably a whole folder in her phone that this Wayne fucking done up looking like Cher in a night out. My friends and I haven't stopped laughing. It is a photo I will keep forever and I might even put it on her 18th birthday cake. I'm sure that by the time she's 18 she will be with her new family. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, people are fucking mental, man. This is a thing. There was a time before social media when nutters would exist and we'd never have known. And now people can just draw fucking eyebrows on their newborn baby. She adds, everyone found the photo as funny as I did. However, some people commented saying it's child abuse, which made me feel like I had done something wrong. You fucking drawn eyebrows, that's fucking six week old! But I didn't put my baby in any danger and other mums in the Facebook group defending me. Now there's a Facebook group you want to be part of. There is a face, I mean that is... Stick a kettle on, get a pot of coffee, let's go through these comments. That must be brittle. Daniel finishes by saying, I would probably do it again because it is that funny. I mean, is it that funny? Alright, you've drawn eyebrows on the Wayne, fair enough. Really, if you do it again, it's not going to have the same impact, is it? Where do you stop? You know, eyebrows... Eyelashes, lipstick, blackface. <laughs> How far are you going to push this, Daniel? <laughs> Fucking hell, man. I wish you could see this picture. If you go to the, the metro.co.uk, the Wayne is looking like Dr. Evil, man. I will, uh, I'll try and tweet this out. It is absolutely incredible. To be fair to her, I mean... Credit where credit's due, right? She has done a cracking job with the eyebrows. Now, if, if we go on with, with nothing there, she's working with nothing, right? She's working with a blank canvas. She's gave this Wayne fucking two perfect boomerangs. <laughs> oh, man. Good luck to you, hen. You know, I hope, I hope you can sit down with social services and just just talk to them just explain look you're, you're struggling a bit 
you were, you were bored. You know, six weeks is a long time. Maybe I've, I don't have any kids, you know. Maybe you would assume by six weeks they'd have eyebrows of their own and you thought, Do you know what, she's, 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 she's featureless. <laughs> Get the fucking eyebrows on there. Oh my God. Right, and the the second news story, I'm sorry we're rattling through this day, but this has been a... We're quickly approaching the, the end of the, the episode and uh, the other news item, which I'm sure we've all seen, is, is this video of the fat cat on the treadmill. Um, Cinderblock is the name of the cat. Now, I don't know if that's the cat's name, right? If you've seen the cat, it's it's it looks like a staffy, right? It's a fat cat, right? It's got the build of a staffy and the heat of a cat. Um, now, if you're calling a cat Cinderblock and it grows up to be a beast, then the name's justified, but I imagine they've changed its name to Cinderblock because of the size of the bastard. Um, Cinderblock apparently is a morbidly obese cat who is in desperate need of losing some weight. Aren't we all Cinders? Aren't we all? Um, she was taken to a vet in Bellingham, Washington State. Of course it's America. Of course it's America. Land of not only the fat people, but where animals can be fucking jimongous. And you know for it, for a fact that the owners of Cinderblock are happy that she's a fat cunt. It was decided to put Cinderblock through her paces to get her to do a bit more walking. I mean, more than... Get her to walk to the fridge. It didn't take long for Cinderblock to find a place to sit down and just use one paw on the treadmill, which is filled with water. She's probably shitting herself. I don't know why, I mean, I know why they fill it with water when you see, like, we sausage dogs and things like that going in it for, like, hydrotherapy or whatever. But that must be quite terrifying for a fat cat getting flung in what is effectively a bath. And then the bottom starts moving. The hang's probably no walk the length it's selling years and now it's expected to trudge through a puddle on a treadmill. What resulted is a funny video, which I'm sure you've all seen. It's been all over Twitter this week anyway, um, of the half-arsed cat uh, trying um, to walk on a treadmill, uh, which will remind us the way many of us act in the gym. No, mate, n- none of us have just sat on the floor with one, <laughs> one hand dragging a treadmill back and forth. The vet uh, was happy to go on record as saying, I am a small animal veterinarian. Well, I mean, you're in the wrong place here because this is a fucking beast of a cat. Small animal veterinarian and a diplomat of the American Board of Veterinary Practitioners, AVBP, in canine and feline practice. The video shows a cat who was relinquished to me by her owner. Oh, Cinder's been given up. I never knew that. Oh, Cinder. Cinder the cat, also known as Cinder Block, is a morbidly obese cat who is now on a weight reduction program, which includes an underwater treadmill. It's a puddle. Um, let's not go much further than that. Cinders, do you know what, Hen? I'm sorry. I feel bad now. I thought you were just a, a fat cat. Some old woman has hid you in the house and they've been giving you treat after treat after treat and they've allowed you to get to the size of a small Staffordshire Bull Terrier. But what's happened is some bastard has relinquished you. They've handed you over and you're on a strict... This, this could be a reality show. 
Cinder Block. Well, Cinders, I, I hope that you maintain. Again, this is for the same guy, Richard Hartley Parkinson. You need to just think you give up, mate. The dream of writing for the Guardian is long gone. You've written about a Wayne with eyebrows and now a fat cat. <laughs> Fucking hell. I don't think these two news stories are going to be one for the scrapbook. Well, Cinders, I hope that you maintain this puddle treadmill situation that they've got going here. And you can live a long and happy life. Maybe get you off the... Maybe get you on the road diet. You know, get you on the good gear. Maybe, maybe they need to start putting the football slightly further away than it is currently. Get you to possibly walk into the kitchen to get fed. Or another room. Or maybe Cinders, go under the knife. Eh? You're American, get yourself down to LA, bit of lipo, cut some of that fat out. We'll have you looking like a Jack Russell in no time. There's your new stories for this episode. A short and sweet one, but, um, you know, it's either these two wee happy things or we need to start delving into the world of Brexit. And we're just, we're not ready to tackle that nonsense right now because I'm fucking sick to death about hearing it, as many of you are. So for now, we will stick with babies having their eyebrows drawn on and a fat cat. There's your news. Okay, team, that, that is us. Uh, that is the end of uh, another episode. Thank you so much for everyone who has listened and subscribed. Um, I'm, I'm trying to kind of build this up and the numbers so far have been amazing. I, I, I did not expect the, the response that I've had, so thank you so much to everybody who... Um, has not only listened to the show, but who has got in touch uh, to comment on the first couple of episodes uh, is greatly appreciated, and I thank you for your support, but we are trying to build this uh, and get it wide, so if you do listen to it, if you've enjoyed it, please subscribe, um, if you go to the SoundCloud page and subscribe on there, and also subscribe on YouTube, like I said, there are, there are some things in the pipeline that I want to be doing that are going to come up um, towards the end of this year and the start of next year, um, so we really want to build those channels. If you know anyone who would enjoy the show, ask them to subscribe and share it where you can. Uh, the podcast is available across a number of different platforms, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, the usual places, and you can get it on Acast, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and of course, YouTube. So if you have listened, please subscribe on whatever channel you listen to and share it uh, where you can. There are a couple of things coming up that I need to punt. Um, November 3rd, um, which will be the coming Sunday, um, actually. I am back in Glasgow at the Classic Grand doing new material. Um, I will be there running through some bits and pieces, some new ideas, reworking some old stories. If you've been to one of the new material nights before, you'll know it's always a great night. Tickets are available from that. Uh, go to my website, scottgiversoncomedy.co.uk if you'd like to come along November 3rd at the Classic Grand, a lovely wee Sunday sesh. November 16th uh, is a tour show, Loch Winner from the Killip Institute. Again, tickets are available from my website or from Sea Tickets. Uh, and 1st of December, uh, Glee Club in Glasgow is the last tour date of White Noise for 2019. Again, tickets on my website or the Glee Glasgow's website. So I hope you can come along to one of them. Go along, uh, sign up to the mailing list. It's the best way to hear about all future stuff and these kind of one-off special new material gigs. Um, and where I can, you will get 
some discounts flung your way. So thank you so much for listening. Um, episode four. I can't believe we're at episode four already. Um, thank you to everybody who has subscribed. Please do so if you've got any questions for the next episode or future ones. Get in touch. Go to the website. Follow me on all the social medias. And I will speak to you soon. And hopefully see you in the battlefield. Have a good one. Onwards. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.